right? Because you, what, you, what it actually does is it's kind of getting in your pocket a little bit. And how many people, I mean, it's like I said, I said for the most of us, we in the 21st century, we are uh, walking around with probably most likely you have three items in your pocket or there's three items that you carry around with you at all times. And it's what? Your wallet, your keys, and your cell phone, right? I mean, who would have thought back in the 1980s that that would be like the trinity of what people carry? And if you're a woman, you probably don't have a wallet. Maybe you have. Maybe you do have a wallet or you have a purse. It's, you know, same thing. And so we've just been talking about how, uh, you know, I mean, <clears throat> that we can sometimes, some of these things that, that are they're tools and they're, and they're great, some, sometimes these things can become distractions. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to sidetrack this message going in a different course. Oh, like that wordplay. Uh, and we're going to talk about, because uh, in Scripture, there are, there are times where there actually talks about a person or people that can sidetrack, sidetrack our faith. So we're going to, if you got your Bibles, turn it to Galatians um, chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, uh, or pull out your, your, your Bible or your idol or whatever. <laughs> I got that from Joe Liggett. I didn't say that myself. I thought that was funny. So <laughs> They've actually done a study now that uh, millennials, if you're a millennial in here, raise your hand if you know what a millennial is. It means you were born from 1984 to like... 2001 or something like that. If you were born between those, raise your hand. Studies show that millennials spend 57 hours a week with their face in a screen. Okay. Up to age 55 now? So, uh-oh. So all those boomers are, are bored at home and they got a screen in their face. <laughs> <laughs> But we're not gonna. We're, I'm not gonna mess with your phone today. We're, we we've already talked about that. I just you know it's just it's you know there's some there's some things that are happening in our culture that I don't that I think we're learning to how to adjust to because there's certain things that are rising up and it's because of some of these technological advances like uh, like the increase in anxiety and the increase of of all of these different things. It's because there's this like like I said I think we need to like learn how to to move with this shift of how with technology that we're not comparing ourselves and you know what I mean so I'm not going to get into all that um, but it's just we we as followers of Christ just got to be careful that we don't allow this tool to master and rule us right okay so it's fun I have one I've got multiple tablets I've got televisions I've got all this stuff but I don't want it to be a master in my life right Cool. Let's go. Let's get back. That sidetracked on the sidetrack series. And I like doing that because it's fun because I can get away with it because the whole sermon series is sidetracked. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, this is what it says. This is Paul. He's talking to Galatians. He says, you were running a good race. Who? Say that with me. Say who. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth. That kind of per persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. So Paul's saying, he's telling the Galatians, and he's t talking to a people group, that there was obviously a person that came in and either told a different type of message or, or, or shared something that actually persuaded them in a different direction, sidetracked their faith. So sometimes there is a who in our life that can actually sidetrack what God wants to do. So you can say amen right there. There is a who that can sidetrack. So is there a who in your life that sidetracks your faith? 
Well, Adam and Eve, you know, they're tending the garden. They were minding their own business, and there was a who? A snake, right? And God said this, uh, uh, and, you know, the devil said, you know, did God really say, and we, we see all this stuff that happened, and, you know, and Adam, you know, and Eve, they, they, they eat the fruit. And then here comes God, and God is uh, looking for his afternoon stroll with creation. He's looking for Adam, and he's walking in the garden, and he says this question. He says this in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. He says, where are you? Where are you? Does God, did God know where he was? Like, like God's like, I see you hiding over in that bush. You know, he's God. He knows everything, right? <laughs> so it wasn't that God didn't know where he was at, but, but the question is, is, how did you get here? How did you get to this place? How did you get sidetracked? Because, because something happened. Something changed. And then who was the who? They said the snake. And then the man, obviously, still always blaming his wife, the woman. And so, <laughs> you know, we, so... <laughs> We still doing it, right? That woman. I mean, he almost kind of blamed God. He's almost like, I mean, if you kind of, you could read it in the context. He's like, God, that woman you gave me. He's like, wait, what? Are you, are you blaming God now? Hold on. <laughs> if you would have gave me one better, no, nah, she was the best because he saw her. He was like, whoa, man, look at that. Mm. Dad joke. Uh, got one in. Yes, it's a dad joke. Anytime now that I have corny jokes, they're dad jokes. So, boom, that's how it works. So, <laughs> where are you? You know, shamed caused Adam and Eve to eye. So the who obviously was the serpent, and it was shame that caused Adam and Eve to hive. Uh, so Adam was sidetracked. Say sidetracked. Okay. I see my boy Elijah the prophet, right? He's confronting the 450 prophets of Baal, Mount Carmel. Powerful moves of God. I mean, I mean, he is, is just demolishing the, the God of Baal. And uh, 450, and he's just, and he's, and so powerful display, not only for Elijah, not only for the 450 prophets, but friends, all of Israel got the display, and they got to see God's power manifest in a very powerful way. And then after that, right after that incredible victory, um, there's this woman, her name's Jezzy, Jezebel, we call her Jezzy for short. She put out a hit on this man of God and said, this guy's going to die. So what happens to Elisha? Elisha runs and he hides in a cave. Okay, now we're going to turn to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 13. He's hiding in a cave. And so here, uh, 1 Kings 13, uh, 19, 13. When Elisha heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here? Say it with me. What are you doing here, Elisha? So God's asking Adam, where are you? God's asking Elisha, what are you doing here? What happened to Elisha? He was sidetracked. Who was it? Who was it that cut in on his faith? We just saw it. it was Jezebel, right? Jezebel, okay? And so he is in a place that he's not supposed to be in, just like Adam was in a place that he wasn't supposed to be in, because sometimes, sometimes, friends, there is a who that can actually cause us to be sidetracked. And so I've heard, I've heard, um, I've heard pastors say, well, you know, Elisha, you know, he was a, you know, he was a warrior and this, that, and the other, and he wasn't afraid. And I'm like, you need to go read your Bible because 10 verses ahead, the scripture says Elisha was afraid. Like, don't, you know, that's why when you hear, I mean, I tell people, how do you know that I'm not preaching falsehood? How do you know that I'm not preaching heresy? How do you know I didn't start a cult over out here in the bush, you know, and later on we're going to be drinking Kool-Aid? How do you know that? (laughs) 
The only way is by the word of God. And so, friends, everything that's, that's said from here, that's said from my mouth, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then, friends, if you go to a place or you're listening on TV or, and it's contrary to the word, then you need to shut it off. You need to, you need to move on because because the Bible talks about there's going to be many who, I mean, uh, Paul in the New Testament, he's, he's trying to confront all these people that are persuading people away from the faith. And so, and it's, you know, selfish ambition, vain conceit, whatever. I mean, there are so many different uh, 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 spirits that are trying to just sidetrack our faith and get us off of his word. And there's just so much stuff out there. So we just got to be real careful. So he ran for his life. He's afraid he ran for his life. And so, friends, uh, Elisha was in a place he wasn't supposed to be. Adam and Eve, they were in a place that they weren't supposed to be. And sometimes, friends, if we're in a place that we're not supposed to be, maybe there's a who in our life that that is sidetracked our faith. So you have the 12 spies, right? 12 spies are sent out. And if you know uh, the history of these guys, okay, these were leaders of the tribes, of the 12 tribes of Israel, sends out the 12. They go, they spy in the land. The scripture says they came back with a bounty. I mean, they came back, it was stacked. They said the place was flowing with milk and with honey. Two of the, two of the spies, you guys remember who they are? Joshua and Caleb, they said, we got this. God is with us. We're going to do this. Let's go. Come on. Let's rally. Let's move it. But then there were 10 of the spies. They came back and they were like, oh, man, you didn't see how big they were. You didn't see how uh, we, we look like grasshoppers to them. And actually what happened was they actually spread doubt and complaining throughout the whole nation. Think about that. They estimated that it was between, uh, that it was around a million people that came out of slavery, out of uh, Egypt. And you have 10 men that can affect a million, a whole nation. That's incredible. Why? Because complaining is contagious. We're going to get into that in a moment. But the thing is, is friends, uh, uh, these 10 uh, they spread this, and what happened was they didn't inherit the promised land. So there, were, there was a leader that was in their life that actually kept them from being sidetracked. That's crazy, huh? Sometimes there's a leader that can sidetrack a person's life. That's why you got to be careful. Be careful who you allow to speak in your life. Be careful who... You know, who you, who you vote for. Be careful for, you know, who is in leadership because leaders can sidetrack a nation. And that's why some of the most prophetic people uh, in, our, in our city, or excuse me, some of those prophetic people in our nation, they're always praying for the president. They're always praying for our leadership and all this other stuff because, friends, our leaders can shift. You know what I mean? I mean, look, I mean, look, at, look at what happens in history. What happens when you have, like, Hitler rise up in a in nation or, you know, and all these different, like, wicked men. I mean, they totally just sidetrack nations, right? So we just got to be careful, all that stuff. So, so pray. So pray, pray for your president. Pray for leaders. Pray for Congress. Pray for them to, to, to know God. Pray for them to have the wisdom of the Lord and to make decisions that honor him. Amen? Even if the person is godly or not, because the Scripture says, I'm, this is a sidetrack, the Scripture calls when God was talking to, God was talking to Daniel, he actually called Nebuchadnezzar my servant. Hmm, okay. Didn't know that, huh? Nebuchadnezzar was a wicked king. God called him a servant, so God, use, God uses people, right? Okay, sidetracked. <laughs> sidetracked. So, so, these, so you have a whole nation, because of the complaining, it actually keeps them from the promised land. Friends, complaining can keep you from the promise. As a parent, how many of us absolutely love hearing our kid complain? I mean, you love it. I mean, it's just like singing to your ears. 
Oh, man, do that some more. I love that. No, man, no parent loves that. Complaining is almost intolerable. I mean, who likes to hear whining and complaining, grumbling and, 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 and all this stuff? Nobody, <laughs> I don't like it. And I'm sure that God doesn't like it. And so, I mean, because what, what that's telling you is the person is ungrateful, right? Hmm. That makes you not want to do anything for your child if they're ungrateful, right? So ungratefulness, complaining, nobody likes that. And let me tell you, friends, God didn't, d- didn't tolerate that either, and he doesn't tolerate that. That's why we come before the Lord with grateful hearts, amen, with thanksgiving in our hearts. We're going to talk about a few more people. Ready? Here. So here we go. Remember this guy, Samson? Long hair, buff guy, killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. He was a, for 20 years, he was a judge of Israel, back before Israel didn't have a king. Samson, he allowed his lust and a woman named Delilah to sidetrack him. King Saul, remember King Saul? King Saul's handpicked by God to lead the nation of Israel as the very first king. God doesn't choose, God doesn't make decisions in who he chooses, but we have free will and free choice, so we can screw it up ourselves. Handpick Saul, and then Saul obviously does some a few things where he doesn't obey God, and so God says, okay, I'm going to find a man after my own heart. So he raises up this man named David, and so David is, becomes a part, of, a part of Saul's army, becomes a part of Saul's uh uh, his court becomes a part of his house. I mean, marries his daughter. I mean, is like a, is a son-in-law now of, of, of Saul. And then what happens is, is King Saul, then, you know, his life becomes sidetracked because of jealousy. And then we see throughout the rest of his kingship, he's chasing around David, trying to kill him. I mean, he could have been doing something so much more better as a king, you know, taking care of his kingly business. Instead, he's chasing around his son-in-law all across the land trying to kill him. Say sidetracked. friends let me just say this check this out whoa Saul was sidetracked but David was a man of God because we've been talking about you know people that maybe aren't you know maybe they're not the best influences in their life but David was a man of God King was sidetracked by a person a godly person because of jealousy and because of envy so friends let me just say this too sometimes we can even be sidetracked by men and women of God. Maybe we see what God's doing in their life. Maybe we see what God's doing over there. And so we're like, oh, why can't I be like that? Oh, why can't I have a marriage like that? Oh, why can't I, I have kids like that? Let me just tell you first and foremost, okay, the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence because the poop piles are higher. And secondly, let me tell you, in order, you're looking at them, but you don't know what they did to get there. You don't know what sacrifices that they've done to get there. You don't know, you know, what, what cost it cost them. If you want what they have, then do what they did. You know, don't look at somebody with jealousy and God, okay, let me get off that. So, let me jump off that. Jump off that train for a minute. We'll let the train pass by. Sidetracked, that's right. Friends, if you're, if you're in a relationship that is unhealthy, if you're looking at somebody, even a God, you're in a godly relationship or somebody in the church, maybe, uh, maybe even you run to a particular person in time of crisis. Let me just go on. I'm going to say this too. Here we go. Sometimes you can have a person that is sidetracking your relationship with God because you run to them every time you have a crisis. Friends, God is your source. He is your strength. He is your shield. He is your help in time of need. Psalms chapter 46 verse 1 says this. Go ahead, Jordan. Put that up. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present. Say ever-present. Ever-present help in time of trouble. Friends, I just want to just go ahead and put this out there. People will fail you. I will fail you. Pastor Joy will fail you. Your mama sometimes will fail you. (laughs) I was like, no. Okay? Your best friend, 
Your best friend can fail you. Why? Because we are human. We make mistakes. Okay? We miss it. Okay? We have attitudes. We, we screw up. We miss phone calls. You know, we, we will fail you. So if you, if you put us on a pedestal and we fall or we fail, then, you, then it can sidetrack your relationship with God. I've seen it happen where these big men of God or women of God, and they put them on this high pedestal, and then they have a moral failure or, or, or a financial failure, and then, and then people's their faith is shipwrecked because they put their faith in a man. Friends, don't put your faith in a man. Put your faith in Jesus. Don't put your faith in me. Okay, I'm a coach. We'll, I'll coach you. I'll blow the whistle. I'll pray for you. We'll go through this thing together. But there's times I fall too. I need somebody to help pick me up from time to time. Okay? My wife says she got me, boo, so we help her up. She helps me up. Don't allow a person to sidetrack you. Don't allow a person to cut in on your walk of faith. Friends, never put a person in the position where God belongs. Bam. Put that up there, Jordan. Never put a person in a place where God belongs. And, we, it's, and it's tempting for all of us to do that. You can put your spouse in a place that God belongs. They don't belong there. You can put, you can put a mentor in a place that God belongs. They don't belong there. You can put your best friend. You can put a family member. Okay, you can put some TV preacher that you're that you watch all the time and you you know they're the best thing since sliced bread. Do not put a person in that place where God belongs in your heart. Don't do it. You'll be shipwrecked, you'll be sidetracked. So here we go. Friends, yes, absolutely have godly people in your corner. Have mentors. Have prayer partners. Have Barnabases in your life, people who encourage you and pray for you and walk with you through the things that you need. But friends, always run to God first. Always run to God first. God should be, like we just read in Psalm 46, verse 1, your refuge, your strength, your ever-present help in time of need. He's the, let be, run to him first. Run to his arms first. Let him be the first and foremost, friends. And then, because if we, if we put a person in that place where God is supposed to be, then we're going to find ourselves being sidetracked. So here we go. Here's two questions that we're going to ask ourselves today. You guys ready for these? Okay, good, because I'm ready to ask them. Number one, okay, are there people in, I, I should have said our lives, are there people in, in your life that are toxic that you need to distance? Is there somebody in your life that you need to distance yourself a little bit because they're toxic? Pastor Joy talked about this a little bit last week. Is there somebody in your life, a family member, you know, you love them, but you need to have a little bit of distance from them. Maybe it's an old fling. That person seems to, like, instant message you all the time, and every time you message them back, you find yourself downward spiraling. Maybe it's an old drinking buddy. Maybe it's an old smoking buddy. Maybe, maybe there's, uh, you know, an old boss or some old friends or colleagues or whatever. Is there somebody in your life that every time you're around them, you find yourselves going in the wrong direction? If you have a person like that, then I'm going to have to tell you, you may need to distance yourself from that person. 
It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't care for them. But if that person, if they are sidetracking your walk with God, then friends, then, then it's not worth it. Your relationship with God and your faith should be so valuable to you that you will not allow a person to sidetrack your walk with Jesus. If you do, you're showing the Lord that you actually have allowed relationships to become an idol in your life. Nobody likes that, right? Nobody wants some idols. Man. We don't need no idols in our life. Friends, in your pursuit of Christ, even as we're here today, you may find your direction is going completely opposite than somebody that may be a close friend or a relative or one of these type of people. Friends, and let me t- just tell you, if that person is going in the opposite direction as you and you are not pulling them in the right direction, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to pull you in the wrong direction. Gravity, it's easier to fall than it is to pull up, right? I mean, that's a law of nature. So it's easier for somebody to pull you down than for you to pull somebody else up. I know. I've watched it in every action movie, right? I mean, you're hanging on the cliff, and usually they're hanging there, right? And they're, they're you know, you're going to die. Yes, I am. And, you know, and it's like one hand, and unless it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger and they're pulling them up, usually it's like the person slips and falls. Why? Because gravity tells us it's easier to fall, it's easier to go down than it is to pull up. And even in some relationships, it's not that you at some point in your life won't have the connection to be able to talk into their life and speak life to them, but if every time you find yourselves being around that person, you're slipping and falling, then, friends, you, there needs to be a season where you just say goodbye for a season. Look at your neighbor say, bye, Felicia. I love you, but you got to go. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it every time you're around them and then you go through all that stuff and then the emotional roller coaster and then you got to repent? And then you gotta, it's not even worth it, friends. Man, just, just, you know, it's good. Just tell them. Like the T-shirt, y'all need Jesus. You know, just, <laughs> I love you. Chop suey. <laughs> you can buy that shirt at Walmart. Y'all need Jesus. Go buy one. My wife has it. Yeah. Y'all need Jesus. <laughs> you may have to give that person the chop, chop, suey, suey. Don't let them derail your faith. Don't let them derail what God is doing in your work. Because look at this, man. You've worked so hard to get where you're at, right? I mean, this, this thing is work. This thing is a fight. And, man, you get a victory, and you get a victory. And then, man, you just, I mean, you can allow your, your I mean, anytime a person is side, sidetracked or derailed, it feels like you have to start all over again. That's just That just sucks. I don't want to do that. And I know you don't want to do that as well. Friends, your relationship with God is more valuable and it's too costly to allow allow another person to influence or to interfere what God is doing in your life. Just say, I love you, but you got to go, at least for a season. Number two, is there a sin issue that sidetracks your faith journey? Ooh, it's quiet. No amens today. That's cool. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. Is there a sin issue that sidetracks your faith journey? It's like, hmm, let me see. Okay, men of God. It was Elisha. What sidetracked his faith journey? It was fear, right? He was afraid. He ran. Adam and Eve was the lust of the eye. For Samson, it was the lust of the flesh. For King Saul, it was pride and jealousy. Oh, that's interesting. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Go ahead and put that up there because first... First John chapter 3, I think it's verse 16, right? First John 2, 16. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the, but from the world. So these are some things, you know, these are the things that, that we're always going to find uh, trying to sidetrack and derail our faith. 
Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. She said, it is what it is. Okay, the people of Israel, it was grumbling and complaining. Okay, God doesn't like complaining just about as much as he doesn't like immorality. Okay, all these people ended up in a place they shouldn't have because they were sidetracked. Okay, maybe it's, maybe it's none of those things. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's vanity. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's sexual immorality. Maybe there's jealousy. Maybe it's drugs or drunkenness. Maybe it's a desire of success. Maybe it's the love of money. Maybe it's the fear of man. Maybe it's man-pleasing. Maybe it's idolatry. You've allowed something in your life that competes with God in your life. Well, you know what, friends? If you have, if there is a sin issue that is sidetracking your faith, I'm going to just go ahead and say this. Name it, claim it, repent, and rebuke. Call that thing. Call it for what it is. Don't be like, well, you know, I got this issue. No, it's sin. Just call it for what it is. If you call it for what it is, and when I say claim it, I'm like, oh, he's saying claim your sin. You know what you have to do? You have to confess your sin one to another and pray for one another to be healed. So claiming it is you confessing it. So you name it. You call that thing out. You confess that thing. And then you go ahead and you repent. You say, God, forgive me. And you rebuke that thing. Say, in the name of Jesus, you don't have a a hold on me. You're not going to allow a stronghold in your life. You rebuke that thing. Amen? Friends, call sin for what it is. If it's a stronghold, God can break it off. He can set you free. He can set your life ablaze for him. If it's the flesh, then, friends, we need to learn how to guard our heart and fight this good fight and say no to it every day. In some cases, uh, when a person has a, a sin in their life, it is a stronghold, meaning you cannot win every time it is there. That's why it's that's why there's called addiction. You know, there's people that are addicted to pornography, meaning every single time they're in front of 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 a screen, they have to look at new pictures because they have a stronghold of immorality where they've allowed this thing, and so they can't get free from it. Well, God can set you free. Because I'm, I'm a product of that. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? And if it's a flesh issue, maybe it's just you need to learn to tell yourself no. And that's not easy. Go to a buffet and tell yourself no. See how hard it is. Because I'll say yes to yes, 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 yes. But this is part of our Christian walk. Our, our, our Christian walk is twofold. Number one, saying yes to God, following his word, following his decrees, following his promptings, following his voice. And secondly, it's saying no to our sinful nature. No to our flesh. No to the misdeeds of the flesh. No to the desires. That's why Paul says in, in Romans chapter 6, he says, uh, uh, talking about, he says, I do not do what I want to do, and I do not what, what I want to do, but it is not me. It is sin living in me. Because, friends, sin is still there. Even though you've made a confession of Christ, you've made him Lord of your life, sin is still present until you're in the presence of God with him forever, we have this thing called flesh, and this flesh wants its own desires to be met. And so we have to learn. So, so, what, so what I like to do is like, let's go spiritually. Let's, let's knock the devil's head off so that it's no longer a stronghold in your life. And then from then on, let's build discipline in our life where we're now telling ourselves no so that we're not giving ourselves into that. So if you find yourselves, if, you're, if you have a stronghold of, of uh, you know, giving into you know, a stuff late at night, then friends, turn it off. Get it out of your room. Have some self-discipline, right? Amen? Come on, someone. Can I get in a little bit? Friends, I've been set free from sexual immorality and lust and through the power of Jesus, but that does not mean that I still don't fight against it. It's an everyday battle that I say no to it. 
Okay? Now, when I stop saying no to it, that thing is right there. How do I know this? Because Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, there's this guy, you remember Cain and Abel? Remember those guys? Does anybody know what happened? Cain killed his brother Abel, right? He had this anger and jealousy, and he killed his own brother. But do you know that God actually warned him before he did it? And God came to him and said this. He says, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. Friends, sin will always desire to have you. But then he gives us this powerful, powerful statement, and this is back in Genesis chapter 4. He says, you must master it. You must master it. What I say? Name it and claim it. Call it for what it is. Call it out and then master that thing. And so Josh Hester is like, I don't give my eyes. like, lust, you're not my master. Immorality, you're not my master. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. I'm constantly, constantly, constantly asking, die, pride, die, crucify. Because if you're not doing that, you're going to find yourselves giving into it. And it's crouching at the door waiting to have me. And it's crouching at the door waiting to have you. But he's given us the power through Christ and through everything that Jesus did for us on the cross that we can say no to it and master it. I had this conversation with my dad a number of years ago. And uh, we were actually driving to go hunting. And so it's a good hour, hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half drive out to Williams County. And, uh, you know, I was adults, so I'm like, we're having man conversations. And um, I actually was talking to my father about his, about him stepping out on my mom and all that stuff. And we're, I was just, you know, I'm having a man-to-man conversation because I um, just want to know, you know, why, why you do that? And he said this. He said, son, there's just... There's just some things that a man can't control. I looked at him dead in his face. I said, Dad, you are dead wrong. I'm a man just like you. I'm a man that has desires just like you. But I say no to my desires. Adultery is crouching at the door. I have this generational adultery in my family. Okay? Waiting to have me. But I say no to it. I say no, and you got to say no to it in your mind before you act out on it. That's why it talks about renewing your mind daily. It talks about, you know, it talks about uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It talks about taking your thoughts captive because, friends, when you fight the battle in your, in your mind and in your heart, then, friends, you never act out on it. It's when you play on it and you allow it to fester in your heart and your mind and you're giving your time over to it, do you find yourselves actually doing it. No person just automatically steps out there. No person who is a, a godly man or godly woman just one day all of a sudden steps out on their wife. No, they gave into that thing in their, in their brain and in their mind and they played over you know, and they gave into, you know, whatever the thoughts and desires, and boom, they stepped out on it. Are you guys okay with all this? Because we need to learn this stuff. Because I've seen too many, my heart breaks because I've seen too many people sidetrack their faith because they haven't learned how to master sin. And I've seen people, I've seen uh, some of the men that I went, that I was in, I was in school of ministry with, called into the ministry, sat right side, right next to me in class, and, and in and out of jail and, 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 and on some stupid stuff and back on drugs because, friends, they never learned. And I'm not saying I'm any better because I'm not because it is the grace of God. Didn't know how to master the sin in their own life. And I'm not saying that to, to say they're, they're worse and I'm greater because no. But, friends, that's, 
people will side their 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 destiny, their their future can be sidetracked because they don't know how to say no to sin. Is there a sin issue that will can sidetrack your faith journey? Yes, there is. Romans chapter 6, I got a few verses and then we're going to end. And I'm going to give people an opportunity to respond to this because I believe God wants to shake us up and cause us to walk in victory. You can walk in victory every day or you can walk in shame and guilt and defeat every day. Victory is yours in Christ. You can be a champion. The Bible says, for we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. So you can be more than a conqueror, and you can fight this thing, and you can crucify it. And I'm not saying it, friends, it takes time to learn how to fight. It takes time to learn how to fight the good fight. It's a good fight. It's worth fighting over, and you have to do it every day. And if you don't do it every day, then, friends, you're going to find yourself being where you're not supposed to be. And then God's saying, where are you? Elisha, what are you doing here? Right? What are you doing here? You don't belong here. You just won a big victory. you got more victories to win. Does anybody know what happened to Elijah after that? That was the end of his ministry. He anointed Elisha and got swept up, caught up with the crowds. Who, what, who knows what else could have happened in Elisha's life if he didn't continue? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying anything because he's one of the most powerful men of God in the Old Testament, and I'm not disrespecting him. But, but what would have happened if he wouldn't have given into fear and, and ran and, and then allowed depression to come in and all that other stuff? But that just goes to show you. He was a man of God, mightily used of God, and he allowed to be sidetracked. Romans chapter 6. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't let it reign. Don't let it master you. Just say this with me. Say, say this with me. Say, sin is not my master. See, some of you guys didn't even believe it. You were just like, oh, I wasn't going to have me say. Say this. Say, sin is not my master. Right, come on. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Right, because that's what a master does. Master, you're going to obey what I tell you to do. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Is there another verse there, Jordan? Is there one more? Could you put that up? Thanks. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall... No longer be your master. Come on. I should have highlighted that. Because you are no longer under the law but under grace. Friends, sin is not your master. Say it again. Say, sin, you are not my master. Come on. Got one master. His name is the Lord. One more. The Lord. (laughs) The Lord. Look at your neighbor. Say, the Lord. One more verse here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. The Lord. Top to you, my Lord. That's my uh, Irish accent coming out. Me me lucky charms. Okay, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, put to death. I know, I was like, and then he tries to get all like, like says something stupid, and then he goes right into the verse. Yeah, see, that's how I am. I'm just going to say something dumb and then go right into the word again. So <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, say this with me, three words. Ready? Put to death. Ready? Put to death. Therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature and then he gives a list of some things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. But that first, those first three words, 
put to death. You gotta, you gotta, that's why Paul says, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. He wasn't like saying that to like say, oh, look how cool I am. No, he was talking about his flesh and his sinful nature. I have been crucified with Christ, so it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And it's not just a once crucifixion when you make a decision for Christ and then it's all good. No, friends, we are going to fight the fight of faith for every breath we have until the Lord calls us up or until we breathe our last breath. Because that's why the victory, that's why the prize is so incredibly large. Because it is such a fight to get there. That's why it says, to him who endures to the end will be saved. Because, friends, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to, they're going to fall off. They're going to get sidetracked. They're going to let people come into their life. They're going to let sin issues begin to master them. And so, friends, if you love God with all of your heart, I'm telling you, he's given us everything we need. He's given you the authority. He's given you the power. He's given you a church that loves God and that's willing to walk with you through that. He's given you, he's, he's placed people in your life to help walk you through this thing so we can do this thing. We can be on this journey together and see him face to face at the end of our lives. Can I get an Amen. John, would you come up? Would you bow your heads with me today?